On today's episode, we'll be discussing the fall of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18 today here on the Last Things Podcast. It's your boy Damien coming to you once again with another episode of Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to come before you once again as we discuss the Word of God. How's everybody doing on today? Thank you guys so much for tuning in on this week. We got us a, I think this is going to be a simple chapter on today. We're covering Revelation chapter 18, the fall of Babylon. Last week, we talked about mystery Babylon. We talked about how John was transported into the spirit and he saw Babylon and as it's in the spirit. But we also saw we also saw that it was two different two different things that John was seeing. He was seeing Babylon in the spirit, meaning we're talking, meaning from his perspective at that moment, he was talking about that's where we get the um, one world religion because he was in the spirit at the time. But then the angel tells him what you see in the spirit. This is what it represents naturally, which we found out was the actual city of Babylon. So we see that mystery Babylon had two different identities. One talked about the spiritual, uh, the one world religion system. And then the second one talked about the actual city. Now we're talking now Revelation 17 really was talking about the religious system. So here in Revelation chapter 18, we're going to actually talk about the actual city of Babylon, its destruction. This chapter is, it's not really everything what we, what we're going to read in this chapter is really verbatim. There's no hidden meanings to it or anything like that. What you read is what it is. No if, ands, no buts about it. Nothing like that. So this chapter is going to be pretty straightforward, very easy to understand, very easy to interpret. Okay, so um, let's let's do let, let's go ahead and jump into it. We're going to start with uh, Revelation chapter eighteen, Revelation verse one, and of course, mine is out of the New Living Translation. Yours might be in King James. But the mind is coming out of the New Living Translation. Okay, so let's start with verse one. It says this after all of this. So John said, after all of Revelation 17, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority and the earth grew bright, grew bright. I'm sorry, with his splendor. Now, um, let's look at verse two. He gave a mighty, a mighty shout. I'm sorry. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. Now, I'm put a pen right there. Notice it talked about Babylon has fallen. What? It said Babylon has fallen. That great city is fallen. Now, we see Babylon, it said every time, like if you go back to Revelation chapter 14, it talked about Babylon is, let's go back and look at it real quick. Revelation chapter 14, let's go to verse eight. And this is what it says. 
Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she seduced the nations of the world and made them drink from the wine of her passionate immorality. Now, do we see that every time it has says Babylon is fallen, it always says it twice. If you see that, because it's two different falls. The first fall was Revelation 17, the the one world religious system. Now we're seeing Revelation chapter 18. The great city is falling. So that's why we always see Babylon falling twice. And it's like, why repeat it twice? Because it's two different falls. The first one is the religious, uh, the religious part. And now the second one is the actual city. Okay. Now let's keep reading. It says this here. She has become the hideout of demons and evil spirits, a nest of filthy buzzards and a den for dreadful beasts. Verse three, for all the nations have drunk the wine of her passionate immorality. The rulers of this of the world have committed adultery with her and merchants throughout the world have grown rich as a result of her luxurious living. We see that. All the nations, everybody has become drunk with the wine of her passionate immorality. What did that mean? It means that she was allowed that Babylon, the system was allowing them to live any way you wanted to. Just as we talked about. Remember, I said last week how that would be like the purge. But in the, you know, in the purge, remember the movie, The Purge? You had everything was legal for 24 hours, right? You could do whatever you want to do, but you could only do it within a 24 hour window, right? Well, during this time, that same that same thing, doing whatever you want for 24 hours, this time, excuse me, it's gonna last longer than 24 hours. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's how that that's how the system that's how the system was. So that's why it says they're drunk with the wine of her passionate immorality because they are able to do whatever they wanted to do. She was letting them, they were free to do whatever. Okay, and it says, and then notice we'll say the rulers of the world had committed adultery with her. What did that mean? They were committing adultery with her instead of following what God said do. They were list. They were following what she said to do. So God said, don't do something. But she's saying you're free to do whatever you want to do. So that's why I talked about um, committing adultery with her because they were cheating on God with her. God would say not to do something, but she would, would tell them it's OK to do it. You're free to do whatever you want to do. Right. And the merchants throughout the world had grown rich as a result of a luxurious living. The businessmen were making money because of how she was. Remember, I talked about in 17 how she had gold and all this precious jewelry and everything around her and talked about how rich she was. She, you know, the city was pro was prosperous, made so much money, made so much money. So that's another thing. That's another sign of her, of how rich she was. So because of the businessmen doing business through her, through the system, through that city, they too became rich. It's like the rich became even richer. So they too became rich. Okay. Now let's look at verse four. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you will be punished with her. 
for her sins are piled as high as heaven and God is ready to judge her for her evil deeds. Verse six said, do not do to her as she has done to your people. Give her a double penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others. So give her twice as much, twice as much she gave out. What is all that talking about? The, in essence, the angel is telling them because of everything that she did, you give her back double for what she for everything she did. You give her back double of what she did. It's like the, the, the old adage of the Bible. You reap what you sow. She reaped all this death and destruction on God's people. Now God is going to reap death and destruction on her and her people. That's what this is. This is, in essence, that's why I say this chapter is going to be very easy because this chapter is really talking about the fall of Babylon, how this city is going to be destroyed. That's what all of this is. This is just a prophet. This is all what this is talking about, just her destruction. So this is going to be pretty easy and pretty straightforward. So let's keep going. Verse seven says she has lived in luxury and pleasure. So match it now with torment and sorrow. Remember, it's like I said, you reap what you sow. She lived in luxury. So now they're saying go back now and make her live in sorrow and torment because she was so great on this side with all these riches. Now let's put her on the opposite end of the spectrum. Now let's give her the opposite of, of rich and glorious. Let's give her torment and sorrows and depression. Let's, let's tear her down, tear her down from everything she had. Okay. Now let's keep going. So match it now with torments and sorrows. It says she boasts. I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow. I will not experience sorrow. Verse eight. That was verse seven. We were doing verse eight. Therefore, the sorrows of death and mourning and famine will overtake her in a single day. She will be utterly consumed by fire for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. Did you see what she said? She said, I'm the queen of my throne. I'm no helpless widow. I will not experience sorrow. She's in essence saying, Whatever you're talking about, I'm not going to experience any of that. Sounds just like what the people of earth were saying during the time of God when he was pouring out the bowls and, and uh, when he was opening the seals and pouring out the seven bowls. All those things. Remember what they were saying? They were still they would still not repent of their evil deeds. They wouldn't repent of them. They see they and, and what was so crazy is they knew that it was God at the time. They knew it was God at the time, but they would not repent of their sins. And now here we are, Babylon, she's saying, the she sounds, excuse me, she sounds just like the people earlier. She's not repenting. She's saying, I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to be that. She's in essence feeling like she's so big and she's so powerful. Nobody can stop her. Nobody can say anything. That's why notice what it says here at the at verse eight for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. So in essence, she feels like nobody can touch her. She feels like she has she no she is above everybody and there's nobody who can stop her. However, we know, oh, we there is somebody who's going to stop her. We know that. But she's so full of herself. She's rich. She's powerful. Everybody, you know, she's got everybody pretty much doing whatever. I mean, she's 
everything is prospering for her. So she's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, suffer in sorrow. I'm not going to be broke. I'm not going to be any of these things. I'm still going to stand tall and I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's in essence is what she's saying. Okay. Now let's look at verse nine and the rulers of this world of the world who took part in her immoral, immoral acts and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. Now I skipped this part. Let's go back to verse eight. Look what it says. Therefore, the sorrows of death and mourning and famine will overtake her when in a single day, all of her destruction and everything will happen in one day. In one day, all of she will be she will go from a luxurious city, a luxurious city full of money and power and all these things to a city that's torn down. And you see nothing but death and destruction. And it will all occur when? In one day. In one day, she's going to go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. That is just it just it just goes to show the power of God. It just goes to show the power of him. In one day, all of that transpired in one day. That's just. That's just amazing. It's just amazing. But let, let's let's keep going. Let's get to ver- go back to verse nine. And the rulers of the world who took part in her immoral acts and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They're, 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 they're looking at it. They're, they're, they're mourning because they're looking. Look, all the rulers of the world who took part they're They're saddened now. They're saying now their great cash cow, so to speak, has been cut off. So now they're mourning. They're sad. And now let's look at verse 10 and notice what it says. The smoke from her charred remains. The smoke will rise from her charred remains. Um, I'm going to come back to that part because we're going to see that part again in Revelation 19. So we're going to see that part about her charred remains, the smoke. But we're going to see that in 19. So we'll come back to that. Verse 10. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for Babylon, that great city. In one single moment, God's judgment came on her. You see that? They see everything that is happening. And and what's so crazy? They know it's God. That's the crazy part about this stuff. They know it's God passing judgment. They can't say that, oh, we didn't know. We didn't know. You, They knew exactly who it was. They knew it was God. But what do they still do? They're saddened, and they're looking at how terrible for Babylon. They're feeling bad. They're mourning Babylon's loss. <clears throat> Excuse me. They are mourning Babylon's loss. They're mourning her loss. And, and, note, and if you notice, they're standing back. At a distance, meaning they're away from her. It kind of reminds you of like Jesus when he was when he was about to be um, when he was arrested. And what happened to the disciples? All of them split away from it because they didn't want anything to do with him at that moment. It's the same thing here. All the people are standing back in the distance, meaning what they don't want to get. They, they're mourning her loss, but they don't want to get caught up in, in her uh, in her judgment either. They're staying back. That's why they're mourning. They're like, oh, no, 
we're, we feel bad for, but we ain't getting up involved. In, we're not getting all the way in it either because we do know who's causing it. That's the crazy part. They know it's God. Okay. Now, let's keep going. Verse 11. The merchants of this world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. Remember how we talked about all the kings and the businessmen? They're mourning now. No, no one's left to buy from them. There's no one left to buy from them. Look at verse 12. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple dye, silk, uh, scarlet cloth, every kind of perfume, wood, ivory, ivory goods, objects made of expensive wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Verse 13. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves. Yes, even traded in human lives. You see that? All the things, look at all the things that she had. Look at all these things that she had. And she had great quantities, as the Bible says. She had an access of all this stuff. Gold, silver, jewelry, pearls, fine linen, purple dye. Purple dye was very valuable in that time. Very valuable. That's why they make a big deal about it in the Bible, because to make it, was it, it's, it's a very valuable commodity. Purple dye was very valuable in that time. And then look at what else? Silk, scarlet cloth, every kind of perfume, wood, ivory goods, objects made of expensive wood, bronze, iron, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil. All these precious things in those times were very precious. She, lit, she had an abundance of all of that. An abundance of all of it. And look at the part where it's, and, and then this is the key part. We're in the end time and look where it talked about. And she even had slaves. Yes, she traded in human lives. In my opinion, I think she actually had slaves. There was a, um, I think it's in Sudan. I think it's in Sudan where a lot of what's going on in Sudan, prostitution, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, human tra trafficking, modern day slavery. Some of these things are in great abundance now. And guess what it are going on now? But in Babylon, all of those things were going on full steam. It was so much of it out there. Drugs and sex trafficking, prostitution, all these things that's happening now, it's going to be worse during that time. And, he, and it's predicted here in Revelation. That's sad. And, and like I say, in the nation of Sudan, that those are some of the things from what I've been looking uh, when I was looking over the lesson. Those are some of the things that's going on in that city right now. And that's just in the city. Imagine how much it's going to be, how bigger it's going to be in the end time, how much bigger it's going to be. It's just. Wow. Let's go on. Look at verse 14. All the fancy things you love so much are gone. They cry. The luxuries and splendor that you prize so much will never be yours again. They are gone forever. Everything that she had, everything that the city had, 
all the wine, all the gold, all the jewelry, the pearls, all of those things are gone. And notice that they say gone forever. We'll never get it back. She will never get it back. That is so crazy. All of that. Oh, man. There's a TV show that um, used to come on talking about how the lottery changed my life. And it was uh, talking about people who won the lottery. But you know what ended up happening? They went broke. And you sit back and you wonder, and, and it had each one had a different story, how they won the lottery and then how they went broke within a couple of years. And it's like, how can you go broke with all of that money that you just won? All of that money that you won. All that money you won. And you've gone broke overnight. Because remember, all of this is going on over. Let me give you another example. Like I told you earlier, I'm a big Rocky fan, right? In Rocky Five, the beginning of Rocky Five, what what happened with Rocky? Rocky had came home from Russia after defeating Ivan Drago, right? So he comes home and he gets a letter in the mail. And it's talking about how they lost everything because of something Paulie had done. He signed over power of attorney to somebody else. And the, the deals that the guy had fell through and he and he used all of Rocky's money. So Rocky lost everything. He went from fancy cars. Remember the big robot that was in Rocky four that he had? He bought for Polly. Like he bought for Polly, that big robot, the nice house. They lost everything and then had to move back to the city. They had to move back to Philadelphia where they had to move back home. Pretty much move back home. He lost everything. And that's how what these people are doing. They're more they're they're mourning. They're sad because of all the luxury, all the influence, all the power that she had, that that city had Babylon had. It is now gone. And the kicker part about it, it's all gone in one day. One day. All of that is gone. God was not playing. God was not playing. The angels kept saying, hey, Babylon is falling. Babylon's going to fall. They, they kept saying it. And now here it is. Babylon has fallen. Let's let's keep going. Let's look at uh, let's look at verse 15. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance terrified by her great torment they will reap they will weep and cry verse 16 how terrible how terrible for that great city she was so beautiful like a woman clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls and in one single moment all the wealth of the city is gone we see that we see that now let's let's look at it. Let's look at it. The kings of the world were the first ones who said something. And now the merchants, all the businessmen, so the rulers first, and now all the business they in essence, they're both talking about how the the effect of Babylon falling 
is affecting different people. It first talked about the rulers of all the gold and incense and all that. It talked about how it affected them. That's why the rulers were the first ones to say how terrible it is that it's fallen. And now all the businessmen, the merchants, they're coming out saying the same thing, how terrible it is. And then both of them are sitting back and notice both groups of people are back at a distance. They are looking from a distance. They don't want to get involved in it. Why? Because they both know, both of these groups know it's God passing the judgment. So they're standing back and they're just mourning, but they're not going to get involved in it. Why? Because they don't want any part of God's punishment. That's why they're standing up. That's, that, that's not scripture. That's just what I believe. That's why they're standing back in a distance because the Bible says they're standing back in a distance. I believe because they don't want no parts of God's punishment on that city. They don't want no parts of God's punishment. They see how God is passing judgment on the city, so they don't want any parts of it. That's why they're staying back. Because notice, both of them know that it's God. Like I said, that's the crazy part about all this. They know that it's God. And if you notice something about these two things, what do we all see? God's judgment and what? Nobody is repenting. Oh, man, that makes this even so much more worse because nobody's repenting. The Babylon itself is not repenting. The rulers aren't repenting. The merchants aren't repenting. And they all know God is the one doing all of this. And none of them are repenting. That is just straight lunacy to me to see all of this going on and they're not repenting absolute amazement absolute amazement but let's keep going let's keep going we're uh verse 17 and in one single moment all the wealth of the city is gone and all the ship owners and captains of the merchant ships and their crews will stand at a distance they will weep as they they will weep as they watch the smoke, as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, where in all the world is there another city like this? Verse 19. And they will throw dust on their heads to show their great sorrow. No, now we got a group of people who who who's, who got some sense. We got a group of people who got some sense. The crews of the ships, it says, the captains of the merchant ships and their crews. So the so basically the transportation people. So um, for me, it would be like my group, my 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 field is transportation. So it would be my group, drivers, people running the ships and things of that nature. They're seeing what's going on. These aren't these aren't rich people. These don't sound like a rich people. These sound like the workers. It sound like the workers are seeing this. And they throw dust on their face. And they throw dust on their heads to show their great sorrow. And they will say, how terrible, how terrible for the great city. She made us all rich from her great wealth. And now in a single hour, it is all she in a single hour. It is all gone. So let's take that back. They're not repenting. They're just feeling sorry for what's happened. But notice Everybody is in such amazement and they're so saddened because they they feel bad for her because of her destruction and how fast her destruction came within a single day. 
Not, not even, I, I, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Not in a single day, in a single hour. In a single hour, I had to look, I'm, I'm reading over it real quick, quick fans. But in a single hour, well, some, no, let me take that back. Because verse eight says in a single day. But, it's, but over here it says in a single hour. But either way it goes, this is going to come very quickly. This judgment is going to come quickly. We're seeing in Revelation how everything is going on. This is within the seven years, right? This is within the seven years. This destruction here not going to take no seven years. That's the crazy part. All of this death and destruction of this city is going to come within one single day and possibly one single hour. And the people are going to stand back because they don't want any parts of God's judgment. They're going to stand back and feel sorry for what's happened. Let's keep going, okay? Let's keep going. We're verse 20. But you, O heaven, rejoice over her fate. And you also rejoice, O holy people of God and, and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her on your behalf. Remember the group of souls that are under the altar that we saw early in Revelation? They were asking God, how much longer before you avenge us? How much longer before you bring destruction upon our enemies? Here it is right now. We've been seeing little glimpses of it, but now this is a total destruction right here for this city. Total destruction, because remember, this city is responsible for killing a lot of Christians. And now we're seeing this city's destruct death and destruction on this city now. And the people of God and the people, and it seems like the people in heaven are rejoicing over it. Now, let's look at verse 21. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder as large as a great milestone. He threw it in the ocean and shouted, Babylon, the great city will be thrown down as violently as I have thrown away this stone and she will disappear forever. You notice how the angel is just showing you, <laughs> showing you himself. This is what's going to happen to Babylon. What you see me do is a prime example of what's going to happen. And let's 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 keep going. Let's keep going. Babylon, the great city will be thrown down as violently as I have thrown thrown away this stone and she will disappear forever. Verse 22. Never again will the sound of music be heard there. No more harps, songs, flutes or trumps. There will be no more industry of any kind and no more milling of grain. Verse 23, her nights will be dark without a single lamp. There will be no happy voices of brides and grooms. This will happen because her merchants, who were the greatest in the world, deceived the nations with her sorceries. Verse 24, in her streets, the nations with her so uh, I'm sorry, in her streets, the blood of the prophets was spilled. She was one who she was the one. She was the one who slaughtered God's people all over the world. Total destruction. Total destruction. Never again will you see here music. Never again. It will be so dark. There will be no lights there. Just total 
destruction of this city. And as I said, this happens within either one day or one hour, because some some scriptures say one day, as we read earlier, but then some of them are saying one hour. But at the end of the day, we don't care about it. We know this. This judgment is going to be swift, brutal and quick. God ain't playing no games. He is going to destroy this thing. Because remember, we saw in Revelation 17 how it was God who put who put the thought into the minds of the Antichrist and the, and the Ten Kings to destroy the, the uh, religious system. We saw that last week in Revelation 17. And now they were being used by God and didn't even know it. And now here we are in Revelation 18. We're seeing God strategic again, doing, destroying everything that this in this city quickly. Quickly. That's why I say there are there, revelations is the tale of two cities, Jerusalem and Babylon. Jerusalem is God's city. Babylon is Satan's city. That's what Revelation is. Now we see one city has a future and one city does not. One city's future is prosper and is prosperous. One city's future is death. One city's future is the lake of fire. And we're now seeing that city being judged and destroyed. And it's going to happen so fast that people are going to be saddened by it. They're, it's so it they're not going to know what to do. That is just like I said, I, I, I tell people all the time, if you want to know how brutal God can be, you go back and read that Old Testament and you'll see God does not play. And you know what? This is not only the perfect place to to end our episode. This is the perfect place to offer salvation to you. This is the perfect place. Why? Because you see how that city was doing everything going against God in every single way imaginable, even as far as killing God, some of God's chosen people during that time. No remorse, none. And guess what happened? The city was living in luxury. The city was prosperous and prosperous, um, prideful. Nothing's going to happen to me. We're going to be it's going to be we're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And guess what? God came in and destroyed it. You know, I, I think back to something that I heard uh, Ty Tribbett say on Facebook. He said. God was um, talking. How did he put it? He said, before God can bring order to a situation, he must destroy it. For destruction is a way of God's way of restoring order. That's how he said it. We see here, Revelation is doing exactly what Ty, what Ty Trippett said God told him. He's using He's using destruction as a way of restoring order, because in the end, once Christ takes over after the millennial reign, after Satan and everybody has been defeated, 
the if I'm if I read it correctly, Jesus will then turn and take everything that has been put under him and give it back to the father. And everything will be put back in the place that it should have been before the fall of Adam and Eve. This is why your salvation is so important. You do not want to play with a God like that. That's the Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. Do not be, do, don't live like the world. You live separate from the world. One thing I'll say about being a Christian, it can be a lonely road. Absolutely, it can be. Why? Because you live in the world, but you don't want to take on their practices, they, 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 the behaviors. You don't want to take any of that on. You don't want to take any of it on. So, yeah, you might lose some friends because they do things and it's not and they're not breaking the laws of the, the, the laws of the land. They're not breaking the laws of the land. It's just that God's saying, no, I have something better for you. But if you keep hanging around with those people, I can't use you the way that I want to use you. So I have to separate you from them. It's a hard road. Absolutely. But it's a road worthwhile. It's a road worth taking. Amen. This is a perfect place for, for you to for us to offer salvation to you because you see God pass judgment on this whole city and it was destroyed just like that. And everybody was standing back in amazement about what happened. And newsflash, the same, even and he judged that city, he's going to judge us the same way. Don't be like these foolish people who knew that it was God doing all these things and still didn't repent. Repent and ask the Lord. And let me tell you something. Do not ever think you've done something so horribly that God will not forgive you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There is only two things that God will not forgive you for. If you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And if you take on the mark of the beast. The second one, we're not even going to count because that's not that hasn't happened yet. So it's only one thing. Blaspheme the Holy Spirit, meaning speak evil of the Holy Spirit. But if you've never done that, any sin can be forgiven. Any sin. Any sin can be forgiven. Amen. So this is what I want you to do with me. I want you to bow your heads with me and pray this simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you, Lord, come into my heart, make me, shape me, and mold me into the person who you've called me to be. I submit my life to you. My life is now in your hands. In the mighty name of Lord Jesus, I pray and I thank you, Father. Amen. Guys, we're going to believe that if you pray this simple prayer, you have transferred over from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And we believe now that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And we believe that when God judges the world, Jesus will come to get you to take you with him. And you will not have to experience any of these, any of this judgment. Amen, guys. Welcome home, my brother. Welcome home, my sister. Amen. That's all I can just say, man. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Well, guys, that's it for this episode, man. I told you this episode is going to be kind of easy because there's really nothing hard to understand. Everything in this chapter was pretty straightforward. No hidden meanings, no nothing. 
It was straightforward. Amen. God, God's punishment is straightforward. Ain't no hidden meaning about it or anything. This is how he's going to do it. Just like this. It ain't no, no misinterpretation or none of that. Amen. Amen, guys. Next week. Oh, man. Next week, we got us a very, a very good episode. We've been doing this for over a year. And I'm almost a year. I'm sorry. Almost a year. And next week, we are finally there at the great event. And I'm not going to spoil it because you'll find out what it is next week. But if I'm pretty sure you're going to keep on reading anyway. So you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, guys, as I always say, make sure you pray the Lord's Prayer and the Armor of God prayer before you walk out of your house every day. Pray it with your family. Pray it with your children before you guys walk out and door every day. Okay, because we still we we man, there was a story where a guy he got into it with this uh, guy here. And uh, with his with a with a, a, an acquaintance of him, shot and killed him, and then took his car, and then got out of car and abandoned the car. And what ended up happening is the uh, the guy who he killed, his two I think the baby was two, two years old, was left in the car. And guess what? That child died. They they the the police officers believe it was due to uh, heat ex, um, the heat. Because he was left in the car, nothing running or anything like that. But it just goes to show, guys, we are living in dangerous times and it's not going to get any better. It's not. It's only going to get better when Jesus comes to set everything right. So our prayers now need to be, Lord, please hurry and come and set everything right accordingly. That's what our prayer needs to be. But in the meantime, as you continue praying that prayer, keep praying that armor of God prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer every day before you walk out of that door because we just don't know what's coming in these perilous times. We've got so many new diseases. I heard a few weeks ago polio in New York City. You know how many years it's been since I've heard polio? We've got monkeypox. We've got the COVID still. We've got pneumonia. We're coming up on flu season. We got all this with Russia and Ukraine, and then we got the inflation. We just have so much going on. We just need the Lord. We just need the Lord to come in and set everything right as only he can do. That's, that's what we need. We need the Lord to come in and set everything as it could, as it needs to. But in the meantime, stay prayerful, pray the armor of God prayer every day, pray the Lord's prayer every day, stay grounded and rooted in your word, continue moving forward in your relationship with Christ, do all those things, man. So we'll be able to stand against the enemy and we'll know it's be able to stand. And plus we'll be ready when he comes for his church because he's going to come for his church sooner rather than later. That's just my opinion. Sooner rather than later. Amen. I love you guys. You guys have a blessed week. Please be safe out there. And I'll see you back here next week with another episode of the Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. Love you guys. Be blessed. (music) 